Greetings, listeners. We have a special surprise for your ear holes. Try a Pace Pod has produced an audio drama called The Mind Estate. Based in the classic horror suspense genre, it's a five-part series that builds on the insanity of one man's adventure, one episode at a time. Take a listen here, then head on over to the Mind Estate page, link in the description below, or search Mind Estate. That's mind spelled M-Y-N-D-E. Please like, subscribe, share, and review. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Try Paste Pod presents an awkward audio adaptation of Mind Estate by Caleb Nelson. Chapter 4 The Infernal. The walls of the glass room ignited with the light of fire. I watched a kaleidoscope of flames engulf the sun parlor. A foul stench percolated throughout, thick with evil and corruption. I continued to take in my surroundings. Wildflowers from all corners of the world, small fruit-bearing plants and vines. And there was also a tank of some kind, an enormous terrarium filled with reptiles near the window. I chanced a glance into the tank, but immediately I heard a chorus of booming voices approaching the same door I just entered through. I crouched behind a couple of large potted ferns. At this point, I was getting used to the fear in my gut and in my heart. I turned that fear into instinct. This I would use to survive, to fight back. The voices multiplied as they opened the door and I saw them begin to pour in. At first, I wasn't sure how many I saw, but I counted at least a half a dozen figures as I peered through the foliage. The sun rose higher and the room got hotter. Without the shade of dawn, my hiding place became more conspicuous. Silently, I adjusted to the shadows of the day, moving behind one fern to the next. The devils were clearly unaware of my presence thus far. I peered at them once more from my hiding place twisted and freakish if they were ever human at all they are no longer at least three of them darted through the room with shrill laughter and unprecedented speed did they have wings their faces were grinning smiles of demented joy their laughter made me feel ill covered in head to toe in a thick dark fur Much taller and larger in stature, twin demons followed, with unnatural depth to their voices. If either was female, there was no way of knowing for certain. All I could see was dirty reddish skin, dark rugged clothing, and jet black hair on their faces and on their bodies. Do you smell something? I hunger for the taste of meat. Let's burn it to a crisp. I like it charred. Then, in unison, they both drank from the flasks on their hips and belched a stream of fire. I couldn't believe my eyes and felt the sweat bead upon my forehead. They were followed by one more, a woman with scales amongst her dry, hardened skin. She wore a tattered dress that reached the floor. I didn't even see any legs. Did she have legs? The way she moved suggested slinking rather than walking. Like the others, she seemed delighted. But from where I stood, I saw no teeth within her smile, or perhaps only two. Fangs, filthy and dripping with yellowed green, venomous no doubt, 
she spoke. My babies. She wasn't speaking to the others, but instead she spoke into the terrarium. No doubt they were her reptiles. As I peered through the foliage with bated breath, she began to sing. I noticed snakes crawling up her arms as she reached down into the tank. And then, even amid her hair, snakes. No, her hair, her hair was made of snakes. It was all so clear now. This hellish creature from myth I've read about in grade school. A gorgon? I averted my gaze. I knew I couldn't chance looking into her terrible eyes for fear of turning to stone. I mustn't look into her eyes. The imps and the demons left the room towards the main part of the house, but the serpentine woman remained. The raspy tune she was humming I'd never heard before. She continued to wander about the room, caring for her reptiles. Her humming stopped short. She and I both noticed my bloodied footprints upon the floor. This someone's joke who's trying to get your eyes off of me. Sebastian, is that you? I decided not to wait for her and her snakes to find me. I took action. Grabbing a pitchfork from a nearby rack, I ran toward her. She turned around and hissed a scream of fury. Her face screwed into an unrecognizable fit of rage. I closed my eyes to avoid her gaze. She dodged my lunge and shouted at me as the pitchfork instead shattered the tank behind her. The terrarium broken, snakes began pouring everywhere. I held my eyes shut and had to rely on my other senses. Her voice was seemingly incapable of breaking past a certain volume, almost like that of a smoker. I smelled the poison on her breath, too, like a toxic odor of chemical soups. She grabbed the pitchfork with a strength I could not have fathomed. I began to panic. I risked a glance, avoiding her face. Her taut, ropey arm muscles slackened, as did my own. Snakes continued to pour out from the broken tank. They covered the floor now, slithering amongst my feet and wrapping themselves up around my ankles. I wasn't normally afraid of snakes, but there was no doubt in my mind these were of the venomous variety, and she had some paranormal control over them. My baby stalks. Stop your heart in seconds. Look at me in the eyes, you fool. Where do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? Her inflection suggested she recognized me. The snakes were pinning me to the ground, and I clamped my eyes shut again, wrenching the pitchfork from her hands and jabbing it once more in her direction. She was no longer where I expected her to be. So I turned instead at the captors writhing about my legs. I plunged my weapon into the bodies of the snakes below me. I squinted in case she should rally in return, stabbing and scooping the slimy monsters up over my shoulder. No, 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 please stop my baby. Her voice gave way her position. Knowing I might only have one shot at any of this, I rounded up and thrust once more into her gut with all the force <gasps> I could muster, lifting her awkward snakish body up off the ground. I finally risked to open my eyes fully once more to see her gasping and choking on her own green blood, letting the pitchfork and her body drop onto the tank next to us. I stayed to watch a dozen snakes begin coiling in and around her lifeless body. Stepping carefully over the bodies of the snakes, both living and dead, I opened the same door her cohorts had entered minutes earlier. 
With one last glance towards the slithering chaos of the sun parlor, I found myself in a large kitchen. Pots and pans hung from the ceiling over an island in the center of the room. Turning to the refrigerator, I saw a few drawings in purple crayon. The art was imperfect, rudimentary, but for a child, astonishingly creative. I tried to make out what I was looking at. Most of it was unclear, but for one large man with a meat cleaver and a smile on his face. A tiny dagger ricocheted off the door of the fridge, nearly catching me in the air. I swung about to a commotion behind me and the sight of the three imps, one hanging from the rack of pots and pans, one standing on the island in the center of the kitchen, and the final one dashing towards my legs. All of them, teeth bared and vicious. I swung my foot at the one darting toward my lower half. I made solid contact, sending him halfway across the kitchen, careening into the dishwasher door. The other two immediately followed suit. From the rack above me, jumping upon my shoulders and neck, clenching on with jagged claws. The other one upon the counter began to pull tiny daggers from his vest and threw them with startling accuracy. One hit me in the forearm as I wrestled with his cohort. Acknowledging this as the more immediate danger, I waited for him to take aim once more and use his impish companion as a shield. Two more daggers found their marks in the imp's back instead of my chest. The tiny monster went limp and dropped to the floor. I saw murderous rage in the beady black eyes of its kin and the other one on the floor began to right itself, the same anger in its contorted face. They both started toward me, but I didn't allow it. With a roar, I moved forward, grabbing them both by their necks and the scruff of their hairy, grizzled bodies. I dragged them to the pantry on the other side of the room while they kicked and bit me. Throwing them both in, I slammed the door, throwing my back against it. I felt them batter into it, one at a time. I tried to think of my next move. I jammed the door with a chair and moved to the kitchen sink. They wrapped away upon the door of the pantry as I saw what I was looking for. Grabbing a large bottle of both bleach and ammonia, I hastily unscrewed both bottles. Holding my breath, I poured both into a pitcher on the counter. Kicking the chair out of the way, I lobbed it into the pantry, leaned against the door again until the pounding slowed and eventually stopped. There was one more door in the room. The final two creatures must have left through it. Leaning my ear against it, I could hear the bellowing voices of the demons in the next room. Not knowing the layout of the house, I wasn't confident what room was on the other side. But the voices I heard did not sound friendly. We will fade when the time is right. Now, leave now. The voices were coming towards me. I had to act fast. I shoved the door open to the wide-eyed glares of two demons standing facing me. We now stood in the great hall I'd entered through the night before. With the fiery light of the morning, the room didn't seem any less foreboding. They spoke once more in their bellowing voices. Who are you? Where are the rest? I didn't even consider answering their questions. I saw a fireplace and slowly inched my way toward it as they stared at me. It seemed like their predatory nature would have sent them charging toward me at a moment's notice. I reached slowly above the fireplace for a longsword with a golden hilt that was mounted there. Grasping the sword, I felt a surge of virtue and righteousness. This is when they chose to charge. I swung the sword at the large beastly body careening towards me. It glanced off the foul creature's beastly hide. It rounded up and threw multiple clawed punches at me. One caught me on the shoulder. One narrowly missed my nose. I swung the sword at the demon's face and once again it barely made a scratch. It may have bruised him more than cut him. Certainly this was not the best tool for the job, but I persisted. Swinging again, the beast caught the blade with one mighty hand. It was then that the other demon had turned back toward me. He was gaining speed and reached for something on his belt. 
I wrenched the blade from his grasp and shoved the tip into his round, hairy gut. It barely gave, but I kept pushing until the leathery hide caved. The demon's eyes were flaming red and bloodshot as the life left him. Suddenly, with a demonic moan of rage, the second one breathed a stream of unholy fire in my direction. I ducked out of the way, feeling the heat on my back as I did so. I swung the sword at his legs time and time again, hacking like at the bark of a tree. It growled and tried to kick at me. Standing straight, I swung once more into his neck and it threw him off balance. As he toppled, I pushed him over onto his back and drove the sword into his chest like a shovel. It took all my strength to get the point through the leathery surface of his chest. The sword wobbled and then remained there, upright, after I let it go, and I fell to my knees, surveying the room for any remaining threats, but there were none. I'd done it. I was victorious. Something compelled me to take my journey upstairs. I decided to bring the sword with me and, stepping on his torso, unsheathed it from this demon's corpse. A plume of red flame came from the wound as I did so. I made my way to the stairs, to where I assumed the master of the house would slumber. Peering up the dimly lit stairwell, I saw a door at the top with light leaking through the cracks. I climbed, dragging the sword along, and hit each stair with a clunk. My body ached. With every step, I felt that all-too-familiar dread. I reached the double doors at the top of the stairs, and I took a deep breath. There was a rustling sound coming from within, what sounded like the scraping of wings against a cage. I turned the knob, swinging the door open. The room was dark, with the light of the morning peeking through the edges of the thick curtains. Slowly, I stepped through the door, allowing my eyes to adjust. I saw an enormous four-posted bed, and toward the far end of the room, a desk, and on it, a fax machine. The room was so quiet, the sound of soft breathing behind the walls, stepping slowly and softly halfway through the room. I dropped the sword. Lighting the lamp on the nightstand, I approached the fax machine. I picked up the pages that had not yet been sent. I read through the words, and they made no sense. I read them softly aloud, trying to understand. To my son... Samuel Watts Jr., I grant the entirety of my estate. I fear I don't have much longer and I fear I don't have much longer for this world with the sudden and unfortunate passing of my wife. I know that he will be best suited to carry on the legacy we've established here at the Mind Estate. The door to the room closed behind me. I I didn't believe you'd come. I didn't want to believe it. You who are you? You know exactly who I am. Do you know I tried to get your father to bring you here before? He told me you refused. You don't even know what you've done, do you? What have you done? She looked down at the bloody sword on the floor. Those monsters? They would have killed me first. No. No, you foolish boy. You're mistaken. You're sick. You need help. You will end up just like your father. Please, let me help you. 
No. You killed my father. You killed my mother. You killed everyone I ever loved. Her eyes were glossy and conveyed some emotion of which I could not be certain. I looked at the sword I dropped on the floor and then back at her. Hush now. Come to me. We can work through this. We can work through this. I kneeled and picked up the sword and with one overhead stroke made contact. She'd raised her bare hands and caught the blade with ease. Seeing her power, I lost every bit of my righteous courage I'd had. My strength faded. She pulled, freeing the weapon from my grasp and casting it aside. She reached the same hands out to me. Shaking her head, she looked as if she pitied me. I moved toward her, my own arms outstretched to match hers. You've just been embarking on a journey through the mind of Samuel Watts. Thank you for listening to Mind Estate. Please like us on Facebook and Twitter at Mind Estate. Be sure to tune in next week for the thrilling conclusion to our tale in Chapter 5, The Beyond. A special thank you to our TriPace Pod crew, our writer, Caleb Nelson, our actors, the amazing sound creators on freesound.org, Moby for music courtesy of MobyGratis.com, and lastly, a thank you to Hank and Ella. Stay tuned for next month's episode of TriPace Pod's regularly scheduled programming. Thank you for listening, and as always, remember, you're awesome.